Welcome to Talking Mopars episode number 101. This is another replay of a Facebook live stream that I recorded on Labor Day Monday night. So without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth. And I'm your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter. And this is Talking Mopars Live. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. What's up, everybody? We are live for episode number 101 here on Talking Mopars on a Monday night on Labor Day. Hopefully you guys had a good Labor Day weekend. Most of you will be hearing this on Tuesday or after Labor Day, but it's a huge week for me. This weekend, I'll be in Las Vegas at Muscle Cars at the Strip at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway for the 10th and the 11th. It's going to be a great time. There's going to be autocross, drag racing, a vendor midway, a swap meet, and all sorts of cool stuff, a car show. So it's going to be huge. It's not just limited to Mopars either. There's going to be all sorts of other stuff there that uh, is sure to be of interest to people that aren't Mopar lovers. But most of the people that are going to be watching this are indeed Mopar enthusiasts. So today, uh, it's pretty much a you know normal episode. We're going to do Project Car of the Week. Um, I have a listener story. It's kind of long, so there's probably only going to be one of those. And you know, depending on who jumps in this chat here, um, either on screen with me or in the actual uh, live chat, um, I don't have a car picked out for high performance parts. Now, if you know the show, you know that high performance parts is the segment on the show where I pick a random Mopar from TV or movie history and just give you a quick little spiel about it. But um, it's, uh, I don't have anything prepared for that today. So hopefully one of you guys uh, or gals in the chat can tell me what your favorite Mopar in a movie or on a TV show is, and maybe we can talk about it a little bit. But let's go ahead and uh, get started here. Looks like there's actually a few of you in the chat. I'm surprised. It is a holiday after all, but um, I do enjoy doing these lives, so I thought I'd jump on here and do episode 101. So um, I see Mark Sweet is in the chat. He says, going to be at Capital City Mopars for September 11th. That's very cool. Um, anytime... There is a car show, especially, or any type of event, racing, anything like that, towards the end of the summer, especially one that's, uh, you know, dedicated to Mopars. I'm all about it. So that's cool. I actually, um, for Labor Day weekend every year, we have a local event called Cruising to Colby. And I went last night and it was super late. I didn't think anybody would still be cruising the Ave. And I got there and there was a bunch of people cruising. I took a video of it. So if you want to check it out, feel free to go check that out. Um, it was pretty cool. They let me get in there and typically you're supposed to pre-register, but uh, it's like open to the first 600 cars that pre-register. I didn't pre-register. I didn't even think I was going to go, but uh, my wife went to bed early. So I thought, oh, what the hell? I'll go cruise over there and check it out. So I checked it out. It was pretty cool. Um, like I said, I got in there to cruise around. People were doing burnouts and <laughs> just being ridiculous. And you're really not supposed to be doing burnouts. So a couple of people got reprimanded for that, but it was uh, a good show nonetheless, even though I showed up late. It ended at like 10 o'clock, and I think I got there around 8 o'clock or something like that, or 9 o'clock. It was ridiculous, but good time. Um, God, I wish that there was more, you know, city cruises. And I hear about a lot of them in like these small towns, even local to me. Um, 
I think they're great for the community. And I think that every, you know, reasonably sized town or city in America should have cruise nights very often. Um, every weekend would be cool. So if your city has one of those cruises every weekend, let me know because I'd love to visit it sometime. Um, cause it is, it's like my new favorite pastime. I love those cruises. So I would love to, uh, check out more local ones. Like I said, there's still a couple local ones to me, but a lot of them are down South, like an hour or an hour and a half down South on like Friday nights. So to get down there after work and not miss anything would be kind of difficult, but Anyways, let's get uh, into the show here. Um, project car of the day is uh, something that I picked on Craigslist. It's been a while since I posted anything from Craigslist, but I ran across, and it's been a while since I looked at Craigslist ads, and I ran across this 70 Roadrunner convertible that I thought was awesome. So I'm going to pull that up here on screen. Um it's one of those cars where it's not perfect. It's just the right amount of ratty <laughs> for me. Um, I think you'll see what I'm talking about when I pull it up here. So hopefully you can see this. This is the Roadrunner convertible I was talking about. So let me just go ahead and read the ad. 1970 Plymouth Roadrunner convertible, $45,000, Baldwin, Missouri. And let's take a look at these pictures. So actually, let's read the rest of the ad first. Uh, Real deal, 1970 Roadrunner convertible, one of 830 built in 1970, 383 automatic, now has a 440 HP motor, air grabber, hood sport, mirrors, bucket seats, power trunk release, B5 bright blue, solid car with original floors, quarters, trunk floor, etc. The trunk floor has been repaired. Nice paint, older top, and uh, needs interior done, $45,000. Um, apparently the title status is clean. Odometer says 90,000, but the odometer is also broken according to the ad. Uh, let's just get right into it. I thought this car was cool because for one, it's a 72, it's a convertible three. It's got Craigers on it with BF GTAs, one of my favorite combinations. And, uh, it just, it presented really well, but like I said, it has just the right amount of ratty. Now it looks pretty clean from these pictures. But once you take a look at the interior, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Now, even here, it looks pretty good. And I, I love the convertible with the air grabber up there. I think it looks badass. And it's got the right stance. Um, I would probably come down a little bit in the front. But uh, I like what I'm seeing. Um, it looks pretty clean. I don't know if it was an older restoration. That can't be the original paint. I highly doubt it. But uh, it looks good. And for 45000 you know. Not too bad if you ask me. God, it just, it has the right stance. I really like it. And the B5 blue with the white top, white interior. That's a winning combination in my book. Let's take a look at the inside here. God, it just sits good. I like it. And uh, yeah, really clean car. You know, of course, that's just based on pictures that I'm looking at on the internet. So we all know how that goes, but it looks pretty straight. I mean, everything that I can see looks pretty good. Even the Craigers, you know, appear to be uh, in great condition. Plenty of tread left on the tires. So clearly this car was taken care of for the most part. Um, still retains, actually, those probably are not, not the original graphics, but it's it looks good. Okay, that's my point. Um, even the top looks good. But here's the interior. So the interior is a faded white. 
you know, it's starting to get yellow um, on the color there, but I, I think it looks cool. I really like the interior. It's got the wood grain steering wheel on it. It's the console, um, a floor shift. Uh, who knows what's hiding underneath this carpet, but let's assume that it's okay. All right. It probably needs a, a few patches and whatnot. Um, the, he already said the trunk's been repaired. So I imagine there's some water leaks, but uh, I like the look of the ratty interior. I think it's just the perfect amount of ratty for this car. And at 45,000, you know, God, that just looks good. Um, it does need a TikTok tack, but um, I just think this car is awesome. I really do. For 45,000, I'm really not complaining, especially in today's market. I know that sounds crazy, but it's a Roadrunner convertible. You know what I mean? Um, and it's, you know, doesn't have the original drivetrain in it. So it's kind of like a, all right, you know, do whatever you want to it. Um, I was a little concerned about this right up here and no Roadrunner here, but the VIN indicates Roadrunner. So we're going to go ahead and assume um, it could very well be that that door has been replaced. Who knows? But uh, I mean, from what I see, I dig it. I really dig this grimy interior. <laughs> I don't know why, um, but even underneath the car, it looks okay. You know, clearly he's been playing with a spray can because um, you can see some rust up in here. Nothing crazy, but uh, definitely hitting it with some undercoating um, to possibly hide some surface rust, which is to be expected when I detailed cars at a a local classic car dealership. One of the first things, so I detailed this car. It was a 67 Camaro and I won't say the name of the car dealership, but they were notorious for selling 20 footers. And this car was so bad. You could still see the sanding uh, marks underneath the paint. So clearly whoever did the body work on this car just wasn't very good at it or didn't care you know, cheap rest, cheap restoration, you know what I mean? But, uh, I got done with it and my boss was like checking over my work or whatever. And he got underneath it and he's like, what, what's this? And I had apparently at this car dealership for this detail facility, you're supposed to take a can of flat black bomb can and hit anything that looks suspect underneath the car. So that when they, so that when customers look underneath it, they don't see any rust. And in my head, I'm thinking any smart <laughs> classic car enthusiast that's looking for something in good shape is going to get underneath the car and see that we bomb canned it black. But, you know, they didn't pay me to question them. <laughs> they paid me to do the work. So I did it anyway. And I see it a lot um, with these classic cars for sale. And this one, you know, it looks pretty solid. Uh, definitely take a closer look at it if you're interested, obviously. But I like what I'm seeing. I really like it. Uh, for 45000 of course, you want to get them a little bit cheaper than that. But um, I just like where this car is going. If this was a perfect car, I mean, 45000 all day. Um, Roadrunner convertibles are hard enough to come by. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, it's got an AutoZone battery. Who cares? <laughs> you know, at least it's not black in the engine bay. You know what I mean? So it, it's not a car that I'm expecting to win any classes <laughs> in shows at, but you know, it's one of those cars that I would just love to cruise, do burnouts in it. <laughs> I mean, look at that. You can't tell me that that isn't a little cool. You know, I know there's a lot of guys out there that are, you know, OE guys. They want to see rally wheels or Magnum 500s or even, you know, Steelys uh, with redline tires, you know, stuff like that. They want a little bit closer to, you know, factory, I guess. But uh, I'm a fan of Kregers, Keystones and slotted Max. That's no secret. And I like the, uh, you know, 
I, I guess you could call it uh, a street machine. You know, I like fat tires, deep dish wheels in the back. I like them to have a nice little rake to them. And this really fits the bill for me. You know, if I if I was going to envision what I would want out of a 70 Roadrunner, this is probably something, especially a convertible. This is pretty much what it would look like. You know, maybe a different color. I think this would be cool black too. Um, or a any high impact color actually on this thing um, would be cool. Uh like I said, I dig the white interior and the white top. Any color would go good with those, in my opinion. Um, and Kregers, in my opinion, look good on anything. So that is the project car of the day or of the week, whatever you want to call it. Um, God, that just looks cool. 45000 I don't know. What do you guys think? 45000 A lot of money or what? Um, is it a factory air grabber car? I don't. No, I would lean towards, uh, let's see, I don't think, there's no picture of the fender tag. All he has is a VIN number. I don't see, he doesn't say anything about a fender tag on this thing. So, you know, let's see if we can see one in the pictures here. Oh, there's a fender tag on it. Let's see. Yeah, no way to read that, but he has a fender tag on it. It would be really smart of him to post that up or it could be really dumb <laughs> you know what i mean because uh, i'm sure that a lot of people would tear this car limb from limb <laughs> you know and just roast it and just nitpick it me for something like this you know gosh i'd probably hit him <laughs> mid 30s he'd probably laugh and we'd probably settle somewhere in the low 40s but um i don't know i i, I just like the car okay if i had forty five thousand, i definitely would entertain it um but that was a uh, project car of the day. So let's let me jump in the chat and see what everybody's saying here. Um, Donnie says uh, B5 is so generic. Yeah, I guess. Um, Mark, I say ratty. Only let me put it this way. Anything that isn't, you know, restoration quality, like legitimate restoration quality, you know, that has a little bit of jacked up interior. I think that's a little ratty. I mean, is it not? Am I wrong? Um, maybe not ratty ratty, but, uh, I do agree. Mark 45,000 is a decent price. It, it definitely needs a four speed. That would be cool. Could you imagine a four speed, uh, with a center console on that thing? That'd be sweet. Um, my buddy Paul says too much, bring it down closer to 2025, but that's me. Hey, I said, if I had 45,000, I don't have 45,000. Now, if I had 20 or 25, would I hit him up and see if he would bite? Yeah, of course. Would he probably not. <laughs> Pat says, I bomb all my cars and my 20 Ram with top coat black spray paint or undercoating living in New York. I think it's good prevention, just in my opinion. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> whatever saves the car, I'm all for it. You know, a lot of people will nitpick these cars and like, oh, that's not original. That's not OE, yada, yada, yada. I get it. Okay with the cars that I look at, I'm really not looking for that kind of stuff. I'm looking for cool stuff that I'd be willing to drive myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that includes everything from ratty shit boxes all the way up to amazing show quality restorations. I drive them all. <laughs> um, my budget on the other hand says probably going to be driving old Dodge trucks for a while and shitty vans, but <laughs> uh, not everybody falls into that category. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there with money. Um, 
actually, I know there's a lot of people out there with money because if you watch any of these stupid auctions, I shouldn't say stupid auctions. The auctions are fun to watch, but uh, they definitely get people thinking their cars, their complete piles in the yard are <laughs> worth a lot of money, but that's just the way the game goes. Um, Gary says, I bought a rough 67 satellite converter convertible for $700. That's a Johnny Mopar type deal. <laughs> I would probably buy it too for $700. As a matter of fact, I can make you, I can double your money right now. <laughs> um, Gary, that's cool. Yeah, man. When you get, uh, when you get working on that uh, satellite project, uh, let me know how that goes. Maybe share some pictures or something. Uh, Mark says, do a project car video on a first gen as they are getting more popular and Ram chargers are getting insane on price. Um, if you're talking about trucks, which I believe you are, um, first gen is kind of dodge truck terminology um some hate it some like it i i don't really care if you call your first gen ram a first gen i don't really care um it lets me know what you're talking about so uh yes i agree um i've always been a proponent for dodge truck projects um whether it be the old swept lines which are definitely coming up in price it's getting kind of crazy or um my favorite generation, which is the 10 grill generation of 72 to 80. Um, and then you got the first gens after that. First gens are probably easier to obtain. Um, short beds, a little harder to find than the long beds. Um, 10 grills are still out there. The problem with them is they're super hard to find rust free. Um, but there still are a lot of parts trucks out there. The problem is all of them rust in the same places a lot of the time. So that's what I've seen in my area is every time I go look at a tin grill, they're usually rusting in the same spots, blah, blah, blah. Um, but there are good truck projects. And I have said before that trucks make good projects because you can throw whatever motor you want in them. And then maybe you get tired of the truck later on down the road and maybe you come across a sweet, I don't know, 68 Belvedere. And you're like, Oh, I could build a sweet roadrunner clone. And I have a, I have a big block that's in my first gen or whatever. Um, you have an engine, you know, and then you can do something else with that, with the truck. Uh, so yeah, I, for starter Mopar projects, I think trucks make great projects. I also think they make great Mopars period. You know, maybe, maybe you're the type of guy like me who can't afford a 68 charger RT, you know, project for 25 grand. That's almost rotting into the ground, you know, but maybe you can afford, you know, I don't know. My 76 D100 on air ride suspension that I sold earlier this year is up for sale right now on Facebook Marketplace and I believe Craigslist as well. And he's asking 15.5 for it. I sold it for less than a third of that price. He's done some work to it. And do I think it's worth that much money? That's debatable. Depends on who you ask. Uh, if I was to make an offer on it, I'd probably offer him eight grand. You know, uh, that's just me. And that's just because I love the truck and I miss it. But I also paid, I don't know if I've, I think I've disclosed this, how much I paid for the Mr. Norm tribute truck. If I haven't, a lot of you may be shocked at how much I paid for that truck. So the Mr. Norm tribute truck is a 1978 D 150 with the original drivetrain in it. And it cost me $18 thousand dollars canadian <laughs> i know a lot of you were like no way did he spend that much on that truck um it cost me fourteen thousand canadian um you know a little bit over four so less than fifteen thousand american 
and 18,000 Canadian. Um, I forget what the conversion rate was, but it did cost me some money because I had to get it imported. Um, I had to pay a fee for that, which was a thousand plus dollars. I think it was 12 or 1500 bucks. And then it, it was a nightmare. But the problem was, and maybe some of you have dealt with this. If you want something bad enough, you're willing to pay for it. And I wanted that truck for six years. <laughs> okay. First time I saw it, wanted it. And it escaped my grasp so many times that finally when I tracked it down and I had the cash and I knew there was no way he was going to be asking. I mean, obviously there's a chance, but there was no way in my mind that I thought he would ask more than the cash I had at my disposal. And I was right. Now, when he hit me with 18 grand, I definitely said Canadian or US dollars. And it was Canadian. So I did the conversion and I was like, oh, okay, is that thing worth almost $15,000? And I had to think of it not logically, because logically, my brain says a 78 Dodge D-150 in perfect condition <laughs> is going to be hard to get 15000 for. You know, that's just my opinion. Um, unless it's a, you know, Little Red or something like that, or a Warlock or a Midnight Express. Um, but... uh I thought to myself, you know, it's an attention grabbing truck. I'm a huge fan of Grand Spalding Dodge. I always have been ever since the early days of the Mopar Hunter. I think some of my first posts were about Grand Spalding Dodge. Huge fan. Before I even had the truck, I've got a picture of Grand Spalding Dodge framed in my office right now. I'm looking at it right now. So always been a fan and the opportunity to buy that truck, even though it's a tribute, it is a badass tribute. And I thought it would be good for my business, you know, to get the word about uh, the word out about the podcast when I'm at shows and things like that, because it does generate conversation. So, you know, I don't know if you can see underneath my talking Mopar's poster back here, but Mopar is spoken here. And if I can get anybody to talk to me, whether it be about my truck or whatever, at least I can tell them about the podcast. So I bought it as a marketing and promotion tool, <laughs> you know, in reality, but, um, it was definitely worth the money in my mind that I paid for it. Now, would everybody pay 14000 for it? I doubt it. I highly doubt it. <laughs> I know I've told a couple of people and they were like, wow, even Murray, the guy who became my friend that I met who owned the truck the first time I saw it six years ago, when I told him how much I was paying for it, he thought I was crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't blame him, but I have the truck now. It's not going anywhere for a penny under 20000 So, <laughs> and it's not even for sale. So that's all there is to it. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, Dodge trucks, amazing project cars, swept lines. If you can get one for cheap, get it because you could probably double your money, you know, depending on how much you buy it for. I've seen some swept lines for $2,000 where I was like, if I bought that right now, I could sell it for 6,000. Why did I not buy it? Cause I didn't have $2,000 cash at the time, but, um, they're definitely good flips. And we were actually talking about, uh, flips on, um, I, th I think that was my buddy Brian's, uh, live stream so my buddy brian um from dust devil garage go check out that youtube channel uh he just did a live stream like what i do when i have all my mopar friends on it's like the hollywood squares of mopars um i went on his live uh the other night and had a blast thank you thank you brian uh for having me on um met a bunch of cool people and uh uh, I got to get them on this show because uh, they're really fun to talk to. And I believe we were talking a little bit, maybe after we got off the live, but uh, we were talking about flippers and 
I have no problems with flippers. Most of the people with cars that I wish I had got those cars through flipping. So I can't really hate on flippers that buy cars for cheap and sell them for a little bit higher. Um, I'm not in that business, so I can't really speak on it too much other than I understand the game and I have nothing against people to do it. Now, there are people that could be considered crooks out there, but <clears throat> that's a whole different, uh, whole different, um, you know, topic because <laughs> we know that there's people out there that buy Mopars and they throw lipstick on a pig and uh, you know, they hide, you know, bad damage, things like that. So there are crooks out there, but I, I, I classify those different than flippers in my opinion. Um, even though it's, it's essentially the same business. I just think that the people that are doing it just to, you know, come up in the world a little bit, get another Mopar to flip, make some cash. I don't really see that as a problem versus the guy who's like, oh, I'm going to steal this car, you know, for a crazy good price and, you know, do some shitty patchwork on it and just, you know, get it good enough to sell and try to double their money, you know, and that happens all the time, but that's the business, I guess, I guess. But, um, Gary says, uh, did it have the Serta card? Let me just check this again. I might have missed that, dude. I think I missed it. Oh, well, the link's gone. Um, interesting. Mark says, yes, love the trucks. Yeah, they're cool, man. Uh, he says he picked up his 88W100 for 2,000, 46,000 miles, four-speed, short bed, absolute beast. Yeah, I want a B-body to have a cool show car. I'm happy as hell. Uh, by the way, swept sides rule, especially the 64 CSS 426. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the video of the good guys car show was at, but there was one of those trucks at that show. Super clean truck. Um, yeah. $2,000 for an 88 W 100 with 46,000 miles. Yeah. That's a deal, dude. Good job. Uh, Mike says what happened with the van. It's sitting right underneath me right now. <laughs> it is in the garage and what I'm trying, I need to get it outside to get Mr. Norm. I call it Mr. Norm to get the truck, my truck, um, into the garage and get it prepped for winter is coming. Um, but, uh, I need to get the, I took out. So I, I think I've talked about this before on my van. When I bought it, it had a Venturi vent. Now, if any of you know anything about vanning, I guess those things are like gold. <laughs> I didn't know. And mine was broken anyway. So I broke the hell out of it to get it out. And I got a new, uh, rooftop vent. I also have, I also now have two sunroofs that I need to put in the van. I'm debating on which one I'm going to use. Am I going to use both of them? But I do have a new roof vent that I need to put on it before I take it outside. Um, and I have uh, some weather stripping I need to do on all the doors um, so that it you know, holds out the water as best as it can. Um, I'm going to be trying to find a nice fitted cover for it. But uh, the van, that project is not dead. Um, I need, I posted a video after I put the headers on and I got roasted for putting the headers on it and people were saying it was misfiring and, you know, I used starting fluid and they were telling me I was washing the cylinder. I wasn't using that much starting fluid. I only used it to start the damn thing. Calm down. All right. Um, but, uh, they were saying, it sounds like it's, you know, running on, you know, six cylinders, <laughs> you know, dead cylinder, whatever. Um, so I'm going to take a look at it and make sure everything's good. I don't think, I think it just sounded choppy uh, because it was open headers in my garage. Um, but we'll see. We'll find out. 
maybe everybody else is right and I'm wrong. I'm not saying I'm right. <laughs> so we'll find out. Uh, I did double check the firing order and the firing order looks right based on my memory. Um, because I did the same exact firing order on my truck because they're both 78 360s. Not that that matters, but they're both small blocks and um, everything went the same. So I'll double check that again and uh, go through the van one more time for basic stuff. But uh, I really think that um, it'll smooth out once I get some mufflers on that damn thing. But um, Brian, what's up, buddy? Yeah, go check out uh, Dust Devil Garage on YouTube. Oh, Gary, Gary uh, was talking about a fender tag insert a card for his 67 satellite convertible. For some reason, for some idiotic reason, I thought he was talking about the 70 Roadrunner we were just looking at. Um, cool, Gary, I'll check out the pics. <laughs> Pat says everyone's a mechanic. Yeah, you know, man, I, and that's the thing. Here's the thing about YouTube and any type of content creation. Um, Brian and myself and the rest of the guys um, were talking about this too, because it was actually a group of content creators, which I thought was awesome. Um, and we were talking about trolls. And it's like, no matter what you do, you could be the best, the best mechanic in the world. <laughs> and somebody is going to talk shit. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. It's going to happen. And I had to learn to just let the trolling roll off my back. Now, every once in a while, I get a little wild hair and I decide to respond, even though I shouldn't. And typically I end up deleting my own comment because I'm like, I don't want to give this guy the time of day. You know what I mean? So if you think you're going to troll me now, you know, you can try, <laughs> you know, you can even come on here and talk to me about it, but um, it doesn't even concern me. You know, I now there was one time where and I wouldn't even consider this a troll, but I was live streaming and I was putting the wheels on my truck, the American Racing um, Torque Thrusts. And I was having a fitment issue. And one of the guys in the live was like, hey, there's still a spacer <laughs> on it. And I was like, oh, shit, there was still a spacer. So I pulled the spacer off, put the wheel on. It was fine. You know, it was a two-inch spacer for the wheels that used to be on the truck. Uh, so sometimes people in the chat <laughs> help you out. And I appreciate that. Um, you know, I would hope that if I was about to do something stupid or, you know, somebody saw something that I didn't, that they would say something. Right on, Brian. Yeah, go hang some lights, buddy. Mike says he likes the podcast. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Pat says it's amazing. People love to knock shit and whatever you accomplish. Sad. Mark says haters going to hate. And you know what? Yeah. Anytime you become a content creator, man, it's <laughs> it's inevitable. And you know what? When you first get into the content creation game, you know, a lot of us put everything we have into these um, channels and podcasts and even Facebook pages and to get hated on, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's at first it's a kick in the gut, you know, cause you know what kind of work you put into it. Um, so that's why you'll never see me talking shit. <laughs> you know about another content creator even if i don't like their stuff and i think it's completely stupid now have i in the past maybe a little bit <laughs> but that's because the guy put a hellcat on wagon wheels you know i don't like that kind of stuff i think that's a shock value stuff but like you know if a guy's building a car and he's not doing it professionally you know and he's let's say let's say i'm not me 
And I did a video where I decided to do some rust repair on my van. And I'm watching this video. And I see that I am doing a really shitty job and not how it's supposed to be done. Will I troll the guy? Probably not. <laughs> I'll probably watch him and go, ooh, this is going to be interesting. How's he going to handle this? Or if I know what I'm talking about, I'll happily give a suggestion. Hey, man, why don't you try this? Instead of, oh, you stupid moron, blah, blah, blah. You know, you know what I mean? It's just, God, who has time for that? Who do you know that is successful that has time to go shit on somebody else? Go ahead, I'll wait. Exactly, nobody. <laughs> nobody that's successful at all has time to go troll people. It's the it's a loser mentality. I've said it before. But anyways, let's stop giving those guys. Uh, Mark, talk all the shit you want, buddy. <laughs> um, uh, Brian, I will be your entertainment. <laughs> Mark says, I don't like whistling diesel, but damn it, I can't help but watch what dumb shit he does. And exactly. That's, you know, and that's his game. And that's how he's way wealthier than I am and more popular than I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, Mark, you're right. People just need to be negative. That's a lot of it's because they don't have anything going on in their own lives. You know, it's sad. Um, I challenge any troll to start a YouTube channel, a podcast, or even a Facebook page. And let me know how that goes for you. Okay. Um, I guarantee uh, you'll realize after a while, it's probably not worth your time because you're a troll. <laughs> but uh, anyways, let's, uh, let's get back to something positive here. Um, I have a uh, let me ask you this in the, in the chat. What's your guys' favorite Mopar from the movies? Since I don't have one picked out for high-performance parts, I'm curious what Mopar you guys like the best. One of my favorites, if not my favorite, I've probably said this multiple times, is Big Willie Robinson's um, 69 Charger Daytona that was featured for a few seconds at the beginning of Tulane Blacktop. Um, just because I know that that's an iconic car. And I love wing cars. And I think it's the only, you know, aside from the Fast and the Furious with that clone and um, what was it? It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, there was another movie, <sighs> Dazed and Confused, that had a uh, black Superbird in it for like a split second. Anyway, um, the 69 uh, Dodge Charger Daytona from uh, the International Brotherhood of Street Racers, Big Willie Robinson. That's that's my favorite uh, movie Mopar of all time. Mark says the Nash Bridge is Cuda. I still have not done a feature on that car yet for high performance parts. So maybe maybe I'll do that one on the next uh, show. Maybe I'll do some research on that car because I'm curious whatever happened to it. Where did it end up? You know, awesome Cuda. I believe it was a 71. Um, yeah, I'd like to uh, do some more research on that car because I really didn't watch the show. I, was, I think I was pretty young when that show came out, but uh, I do remember the Cuda. Um, and I was also a fan of Cheech. <laughs> so I, I, I caught a couple episodes of the show, but I didn't really get into it too much, but I do know about the car. All right. If anybody else has any more, go ahead and throw them in the chat. I'll check back on that later. Okay. This listener story was sent in to me from my buddy, Scott, Scott sees, um, you can find his Instagram at dodgebro underscore 408. He's got a sweet 69 Dodge Dart named Layla, and he sent me the story, so we're going to read it. Um, let me just get it up, pulled up here. 
Scott's a good guy and he's really, uh, he's one of those guys that, you know, really loves to drag race. I mean, don't we all, <laughs> but, uh, I can see the passion that Scott has for his car, <clears throat> you know, just when he talks about it and whatnot. So we're going to go ahead and read Scott's story. So this is Scott's story about Layla, his 69 Dodge Dart. This is a long one, folks. Okay, so bear with me. <laughs> I'm going to pull my sleeves up for this one. I'm take a drink of water, and we're going to kick this thing off. All right. <clears throat> Hi, Chris. I want to start off saying thank you for doing the podcast each week and showing the build on the Mr. Norm Tribute Truck and soon-to-be podcast van. Can't wait to hear and see what more you have in store. I have a little story slash history of a build that you may recognize from my Instagram page, dodgebro underscore 408. I have to admit, I wasn't for sure about sharing this due to I honestly don't think people would be interested in hearing this. That's not true, Scott. So after much thought and support from family and my girlfriend, Ashley, good people in your life, I figured why not? I do have a prequel to the story too, but that will be at a later time. Here is my story. My name is Scott Cease from Hesperia, California, proud owner of my 1969 Dodge Dart GT. Since 2009, I've been building and racing the Mopar ever since. Currently, the car runs low to mid 12 seconds on 91 pump gas powered by a well-massaged uh, well 360 Magnum small block V8 motor with 10 to 1 compression ratio, Mopar aluminum heads, M1 Mopar single plane intake, hydraulic roller camshaft, 750 Holley carburetor, Headman headers. Um, attached to a 904 transmission with beef, beefed up internals, reverse manual valve body, 3500 Hughes stall converter. The transmission was built by Bob Mazzolini Racing. It sits on competition engineering 9010 front shocks with stock suspension with non-power disc brakes from a 1975 duster and super stock springs in the stock location on an eight and three quarter rear end with Rancho Performance 9009 way adjustable shocks on the back. The wheels in the front are American Racing Torque Thrust and Chrysler Steelys at the rear wrapped in MT drag radials. The 1969 Dodge Dart also has the nicknames like The Last Project due to it was the last project I did with my dad before he passed away. Sorry about your loss, Scott. Um, project Redemption due to me and my Mopar are always coming back with vengeance when things go wrong. I have many stories of comebacks, especially at the track. And Layla after the Eric Clapton song. I didn't pick the name my family did, and it stuck. Some unknown facts. Built between my friend Kial's house, I hope I said that right, Kial's house, my dad's, and my apartment, and my enclosed storage in the early days. Spent time at Chino Hills Transmissions for bigger builds. I worked for them at the time after my machine shop job to pay for the work done and learned a lot during the time. Later on, managed to build the rest of the dart in my own garage. Mostly owner-built except for interior. Some of the engine and transmission. Uh, did the motor serviced and freshened up the top end with help from my stepdad and his best friend, suspension, wiring, rear end, bodywork, and paint. The red bandana on the tack is my dad's. He wore it during his construction days. I keep a photo of my girlfriend on my speedometer when drag racing. I feel it brings me luck when going down the track. I still have the Craigslist ad when I was searching for drag car slash truck. <laughs> Some history. The 1969 Dodge Dart GT started life in China Lake, California as a 273 small block, two barrel power steering and AC car with a vinyl top. It was used at the China Lake Naval Air Weapons Division back in the day. I'm the sixth owner, not sure who was the first one, but believe it was either an officer or a private contractor. I'm currently looking more into it, but I believe it did exchange, exchange hands at China Lake multiple times. The original color was an off yellow, and I bought the car in primer flat black 
with a bright orange roll cage. The owner before me bought the 1969 Dodge Dart GT to race it, but lost interest when his second child was born. It was around 2008 I decided to go back into drag racing with my mini truck. Very first, it was a 1985 Ram 50. The Dart is the third vehicle, but it's my very first car. It was okay, but very slow, and I didn't have the resources to do the necessary build to make it a competitive race truck. I was racing my Ram 1500 daily driver for a while, but like everyone said, it's my daily. I sold my mini truck in November of 2008 to have the funds to buy another car slash truck that would be a better starting point. I was watching the 1969 Dodge Dart GT on Craigslist for a while, along with a Duster and a Barracuda, but the Dart kept coming back to it. I eventually went to... uh, Where are we at? uh real to to check it out with my friend kill at the time it had the 360 with a comp- competition transmission eight and three quarter rear end and a roll cage it was enough to give me a good starting point i bought the dodge dart gt on new year's day of 2009 with my friend eddie he is a fellow drag racer who came with me to get it and also to examine it after passing his tests we loaded it up and took back to chino where i lived at the time same year kill and i managed to take it to irwindale race dragway for its debut though it had stock tires no gauges and many other things going against me i wanted to see what it could do as is it didn't do too terrible but kial and i had a blast along with eddie and the rest of our group building the car was very slow as i was living in an apartment at the time and didn't have a place to do the work until i befriended everyone at chino hills transmissions which i got a lot of the build done at Memorial Day weekend, 2009, my dad fell really ill. So the 1969 Dodge Dart GT was put on the side for a while. My dad, unfortunately, and unexpectedly passed away in March of 2011 before the car was drag race ready. He was my crew chief and the mastermind on the build. In the summer, my friends, racers and video gamers, and my mom got together with me and asked, what is it going to take to get the 69 Dart track ready? We were gearing up to make the Moon Eyes Xmas show, my dad's favorite, and race in December at Irwindale Dragway, the eighth of the mile. My 1969 Dodge Dart GT already had wider street tires, and there was some safety equipment needed. My friend Eddie and I also decided to paint the car, but it took a while to get it done as we both worked full time. The color is a 68 Dodge Charger Sable White. Originally, I was going to paint it either a dark gray or blue, but after Eddie's friend Art was looking at it, he said to stay with a lighter color so I don't cook during drag racing. Smart. Uh, Finishing up the paint in August, I managed to take it to another car show called Thunderfest in Covina with Eddie and the rest of our group. Most fun I ever had since my dad's passing. Uh, The Moon Eyes came. My 1969 Dodge, uh, my 1969 Dart ran as best as we could get it, with what we had at the time and my friends my mom and i we all had a blast i did another race in 2012 at the moon eyes xmas show at the ermondale dragway and my dodge dart was put down again for some more work in april of 2013 my mom remarried to my now stepdad alex putting the dart on the back burner for a while Uh, in the summer of 2014 i had to redo all the wiring due to having a smoke slash light show under the dash those are no fun (laughs) Uh, come to find out later it came from multiple places under the dash um including the bulkhead. I did the wiring with painless wiring, Pro Street wiring kit, MSD ignition, and the switch panel at the time was ARC control panel before having the money this year, 2021, of changing it to the painless wiring, eight toggle switch panel set up along with a 110 amp, one wire alternator that is current. Uh, The original dashboard damaged and was replaced with aluminum setup with help from my friend, uh, Kevin. Uh, Around the same time, I rebuilt the front suspension. The disc brakes are from a 1975 to 1976 Dodge Dart Duster um, that I bought and rebuilt and still running to this day and with the American Racing Torque Thrust wheels to complete it. I look at this way. 
I look at it this way. If it stops my friend's 1968 Dodge Charger that does low tens, um, high nines in the quarter, it should stop the dart with no issues. Uh, in August of 2015, I took it to Fontana Dragway, did about a dozen runs on the quarter mile, but had some issues, including a bad steering box. The repair... <clears throat> The repairs were done, and again, Layla was put on the back burner due to health issues I had. Winter of 2016, after recovering from the health issue, I decided to rebuild slash upgrade the rear end and finally put slicks on the back. The axles are from Dr. Diff, and the rear 1975 through 76 Duster rear drum brakes were from Mopar Madness in Eaton, Colorado. Around that time, my, da my stepdad, Alex, hooked me up with a new tuner, his best friend, Mark, who got my 69 Dart to run mid to low 12s for the first time. My end game for the dart, I want to build it in my end game for the dart. I want to build it into a competitive bracket car and doing so on a shoestring budget. I've done some no prep racing, which at a few events, one of them in Banning, California, and the other at Willow Springs Raceway. Though I didn't build her to do such things, but she will go down A to B every time. Um, I also met a lot of people along the way at these events too, as well, and got not just tips, but also help with setting in and in turn, I helped them with what I could. I'm not the fastest racer, the flash, flashiest out on the track or car show, but I always have a great time. People still come up to me and want to know more about her to this day. There are a few things I have left on my list to do and some things I need to redo on Layla, including upgrading the rear suspension, valve train, and fiberglass hood. Friends and family that helped me along the way. Kiel Gage. Fred Dur Okay. <laughs> Scott lists all these names. I'm going to try my best, <laughs> but clearly every time I read these stories, I don't read these ahead of time. Okay. So forgive me, but, uh, these are the friends and family that helped Scott along the way in building Layla, Keal Gage, Fred Durfee, Eddie Martinez, and his group, Alan Galvan, Josh Galvan, Chris Katib, Katib, Andy Lawrence, Rudy, Jeff Bailiff, Shelby Brown Haynes, Bullshit Alley, uh, Keevan Rohrer, Cameron Rohrer, Jim Rohrer, and Mike Sage, Chino Hills Transmissions, Monica Chicas, uh, Michael Halstead, Mark Powell. Special thanks. My dad, gone but not forgotten. My mom, my stepdad, Alex, Mark Miller, my grandma, Connie, gone but not forgotten. My sister, Laura, and brother-in-law, Martin, my little brother, Mike, Saldana family, and very special thanks to my girlfriend, Ashley, for helping me through thick and thin. Scott Cease at dodgebro underscore 408 on instagram Whew, scott you <laughs> you owe me for this one buddy <laughs> uh, i love reading these stories man um sorry to hear about your dad uh it's one of those sentimental stories man where it's like you know i i don't even want to think about when i lose my dad because you know thankfully i interviewed him on an episode of this show so i will always have that special episode with my dad so whenever i want i can hear his voice that's i don't have a car of his that you know i don't have his van i don't have his dart um so that's a little bit you know that's tough for me to swallow but i i do have you know whatever he has when he leaves will be mine so i'll have those but um if it wasn't for the dart the van and even his 85 Dodge Daytona Turbo Z, I don't know. Actually, I know I wouldn't be the Mopar guy that I am today without those vehicles. I wish I could have all three of them. I would give everything I have now, including the Mr. Norm's truck, just to have those three vehicles back. Um, that would be awesome. But uh, I totally understand, you know, uh, the Dart definitely has a sentimental place in your heart. And that's totally understandable, you know, especially if uh, your dad, you know, the mastermind behind the build, <laughs> you know what I mean? But um 
a 12 second car on a pump gas. Hey man, that's nothing to be ashamed of. Not that you said you were, um, that's awesome. Uh, it sounds like a good build. Uh, you know, you have plans to upgrade it some more and get it to run a little bit faster, but the point of everything is that you're having fun and that's all that counts. And you've created all sorts of fun memories with your family and friends. And, you know, at the end of the day, isn't that what really matters? You know, cause eventually, you know, uh, some cars get away. And if the dart ever gets away from you, I hope it doesn't, but if it does, at least you have all those memories, you know, that's the one thing that I have of, uh, the Mopars that uh, I grew up around is the memories. Um, but thank you, Scott, for sharing your story. That was, uh, that was a long one, man. Uh, <laughs> it's always fun, uh, getting through those because this show when it's live, guess what? That means it's live. It's unedited. I probably would have had to read. It probably would have taken on a normal pre-recorded episode to read this story. It would have taken me, I mean, being generous, I would say probably six takes and probably an hour of editing just the story alone. So, um, Scott, the next time come on the show, tell me the story. <laughs> I would love that. Uh, don't make me read it again. <laughs> Not that I didn't enjoy it, but, um, I'm sure you could tell it a lot better than I could, but great story. Thank you, Scott, for sharing. Um, let's jump back over into the chat, see what we got going on here. Um, Mark says, uh, back to, uh, Mopars and movies and TVs and stuff. Mark says Virgin River 78 D100. I don't know about that one. Um, I'll have to look into that. Uh, Gary says Manix TV series Dodge Dark Convertible. I'll have to look into that one too. Uh, Tad, Tad's in the chat. What's up, buddy? Um, Kevin Curley, low 12s. Uh, Mark Sweet says, love the story. My first car was a 69 Dart Western Sport. Got it in 07, but eventually due to life had to sell. Mad respect for keeping the dream and project alive despite all the hardships. Feels good to hear stories like this, knowing the industry is still thriving. Absolutely, man. I agree 100%. Um, one thing that we were talking about on the uh, Dust Devil Garage um, live stream was the fact that there aren't a lot of young people into Mopars and, you know, one of the guys on there, Ruben, um, was, uh, talking about his son and his son is a teenager and doesn't care. And he was trying to give him a 72 challenger, a really nice car. And his son didn't want it, <laughs> you know, and I'm just shocked, but, um, Ruben's a cool guy. He's got a really cool roadrunner. He also has a YouTube channel. It's uh, muscle city madness. Um, so be sure to go check that out. Um, cool cars. Um, he's got a really cool ratty roadrunner. Um, I'm trying to, I got to get caught up on all these. I have all these new friends and I got to catch up on all their videos. Um, I don't know how some people, uh, keep tabs on all these YouTube videos. I am so far behind on even my closest friends content that I'm like, gosh, I don't even know when I have time. I've got a couple flights coming up, so I'll probably try to get internet on the flight and, uh, try to get some of those, uh, channels caught up on but um it's uh it's concerning to a lot of us that you know the younger crowd is more into the modern stuff and really has no idea of the history or anything like that with um you know if you ask a lot of you know and i don't want to put a number on it but there's a large percentage of people younger people we'll say younger than 30 
that own scat packs and have no idea about the original scat packs. So, or the original scat pack or the rapid transit system. They don't know the history of Mopars. And that's really concerning to me. Um, I know I've talked about this. I think a lot of them are, you know, if it wasn't for Mopars now, and we'll take the same group of people and take them back to when I was in high school in 2001, they'd probably be import people, which is fine. You know, any, any enthusiasm for cars is cool with me. Um, but I see a lot of the same things that I saw in the import scene in the early 2000s and late 90s. I see that kind of stuff being implemented into these modern Mopars. Um, and because I've seen it done, it's stale to me. You know, all the flashy lights and stuff. It, I understand it does have its place, but I guess I'm just so much more of an old when it comes to, you know, domestics, I'm way more of an old school guy. And it's really a shame that a lot of these guys couldn't give two shits about the old stuff. You know, that's really that really bums me out. But um, I'm really hoping that, you know, as this show progresses, we get more of these modern Mopar fans on the show um, to talk about their passion for the cars and see, you know, kind of gauge, you know, how much they know about the old stuff. And hopefully, you know, I, I like the idea of the Talking Mopars podcast being uh, the bridge to bridge that gap. You know what I mean? If I can get, you know, Johnny Hellcat, <laughs> you know, uh, who knows nothing about the classics into a classic after he pays off that ridiculous Hellcat, then, you know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll win in the end and the old school Mopars will stay alive. But one thing we talked about in that live stream was there may be a point where all the prices plummet because nobody cares except for the hardcores. And I know I speak for more than just myself when I say, I can't wait for the prices to come down. <laughs> Let me tell you what. Uh, so I guess there's a uh, positives and negatives. Um, for those of you with kids out there, you know, it's been discussed, like, how much can you get your kid into the same things you're into? And I, I mentioned that what I see a lot is, yeah, there, of course, there's going to be uh, young men that are inspired by their fathers, you know, getting out there in the garage, you know, handing their dad tools and stuff. Um, like uh, Blake did with his dad, Jabo. Um, they were also on the podcast. Shout out to Bad Tree Productions. Go check out their videos too on YouTube, Bad Tree Productions. Um, so, uh, you know, there are those family dynamics where, you know, I know that I helped my dad and watched my dad. I learned all my favorite cuss words from listening to my dad <laughs> work on cars. Um, I don't know if I've told this story. This is pretty funny. My dad's underneath one of the cars one day and I come outside and I hear this commotion <laughs> and I hear bam, 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 bam underneath the car. <laughs> my dad this is probably embarrassing. I hope he doesn't hear this. He, he uh, he's banging on something underneath this car and he's going, I'll teach you to with me. Bam, bam, bam. He's just, he's beating up this tool. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I was, you never want to <laughs> laugh at somebody when they're really pissed off. I have this horrible habit of, especially if it's people I really know when they're really pissed. <laughs> Sometimes it just makes me laugh because they say the funniest shit. But, um, Anyways, back to what I was saying, you know, there are a lot of young men that are influenced by their fathers. But what I've been noticing a lot is these young women who are influenced by their fathers. And that's why they're so into Mopars. That is awesome to me. I know a lot of young women 
in the Mopar community that are awesome. You know what I mean? And I, I don't want to say it's like, oh, it's like they're one of the guys because they're they're Mopar enthusiasts. That's that's it. You know, and you know, I gosh, I don't want this to sound bad because I don't want to disparage anybody, but they these young women don't have to show off their bodies to get attention because they know stuff about Mopars and that's why people respect them. <laughs> you know what I mean? That to me is respectable. Not I mean, of course everybody likes to look at a beautiful woman. You know, let's be realistic here. But when I see a young woman or even a, an older gal, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't age discriminate. Um, that's really into Mopars for the love of Mopars, not for the love of the attention. I respect that a lot. Um, so shout out to all you younger and older ladies out there that are legitimate Mopar enthusiasts and are classy. I respect you. Um, but anyways, yeah, I think... I think there is a way to influence your kids without pushing them away. I haven't tested my theory out yet because my daughter's only two. But um, I'll tell you what, if that little girl isn't into Mopars, <laughs> I I won't say I'll be a disappointed dad, but I'm going to try everything I can. You know what I mean? To the point where she's not her first car probably won't be running and driving. We're probably going to get her a project and I'm going to because I want her to understand the value of getting your hands dirty and wanting something so much that you're willing to put some time and effort into it to have it. And maybe then she'll respect it more. So when her and her idiot friends are out and about and they tell her to do something stupid, she's going to go, I'm sorry. Uh, did you build this car? No, I built it over weekends. <laughs> you know, when I could be out playing grab ass instead, I'm in the garage with my dad building this Mopar and I cherish this car. So I'm not going to do anything stupid with it. That's what I hope. But we all know how that goes, right? <laughs> Hope in one hand and you do something else in the other. I'm not quite sure, but uh, we'll see how that turns out. Um, but uh, yeah, I really hope that, you know, and I, I have gotten a lot of listener stories and emails from the younger generation saying, love the podcast, love learning about these cars. You know, I multiple times I've heard uh, people from the younger generation say, I learn a lot listening to the show. That was a lot of the earlier episodes before I got so much into these lives. Um, when I was covering a lot of the history of Mopars, which that is not over. We're going to keep doing that too. Um, but, uh, I really love getting those emails and those messages because it, you know, it, you know, cements in my mind that, okay, there are some hardcores that are growing up and they're going to be where a lot of us are now. You know, I'm in my, you know, I'm starting to approach 40. I'm 36. So uh, I still feel young at heart. <laughs> but I know that, uh, you know, in the eyes of a 20 something, <laughs> you know, I'm an old guy. So I hope I hope that maybe the modern Mopar stuff will get stale after a while. Maybe they'll go, oh, OK, you know, I've got a Hellcat or I've got a Scat Pack. What, what, what else can I get my hands on? And they're going to look at that old Mopar. Maybe they've fallen in love with Gen 3 Hemis and the performance but maybe they love the styling of an old Mopar. That's why I'm such a advocate for Hemi swaps and why, you know, I promote my friends over at DIY Hemi, Hemi swap the world. You know, I'm, I have, I know that it's controversial because a lot of people are like, Oh, quit putting new stuff and old stuff. I know they hate it. Um, but if that's what it's going to take to keep Mopars on the street, instead of rotting into the ground, um, then I'm all for it. You know, if to get a young kid interested in a 70 Roadrunner, you got to throw a Gen 3 Hemi in there with twin turbos or what have you. I'm all for it. 
you know, if that's what it's going to take to prevent these cars, you know, I can't go touting no Mopar left behind if I can't accept that, you know, anything to keep the cars from rotting into the ground or getting scrapped, you know, is, is in, in my mind is good. So let's get back into the chat. I'm going off the rails. <clears throat> Kevin Curley says, had a daily driver 340 duster that ran 11s at 109 miles an hour. That's a hell of a daily driver, dude. Um, Mike says, have you seen the show Graveyard Cars? As a matter of fact, I think I've watched a couple times. Um, I've done, this is my 101. This is episode 101. And I imagine that I've said my piece about Graveyard Cars a couple, a couple times on the show, but I'll say it one more time. I'll probably say it more than one more time, but <laughs> this is one of those times I'll, I'll talk about graveyard cars. Um, I love the show for a couple reasons. One, it's Mopar centric. That's amazing. I love it. Two, I enjoy Mark. I know a lot of people <laughs> hate on the guy because he's a goofball and stuff. I'm a silly goose too. I've said that before. I, I love getting silly. I love, you know, being a silly goose. I think it's fun. Um, and let's be honest, you know, if, if the guy went on there and was decoding fender tags, every episode, it would get really old to the people that are really making him money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but uh, I don't have a problem with the show. You know, some of the antics and stuff, I'm like, okay, yeah, I probably would have rather have seen some more footage of a restoration or some more tech tips than that segment. But I'm also not a TV producer. I don't have a show. Um, I'm sure if I had a TV show, people would roast me and then be like, how many times are you going to go find a car in a yard and go knock on the door? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's what I would do. Um, a lot of those events on shows, and I'm not saying that Graveyard Cars has any of this. I'm just making a comment. A lot of that stuff is set up. I would love to, I mean, people have said, oh, you should be shot for what you do. <laughs> you know, if that was my yard, I'd shoot you. Let's put it on TV. <laughs> let's, uh, let's see what happens. Um, I think that would be a blast. <laughs> so TV uh, producers, if you want to see a guy take some risks and knock on some doors and see what kind of drama we can stir up, I'm your man. Because a lot of people say that I should be shot. And you know what? I've said that I don't think that'll ever happen. So let's prove them. Let's prove them either right or wrong. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, graveyard cars. I think it's, I think it's good for TV. I think it's good for the automotive community. I think it's good for Mopars. Um, is Mark silly? Yes. And uh, you know, I understand that he's not everybody's flavor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not a lot of people like that. They're serious people. That's fine. I understand. Um, I try to keep it pretty, pretty tame on this show um but you get a bunch of my buddies in here and we do the hollywood squares of mopars and who knows what's going to happen <laughs> you know what i mean um but that's the fun of it you know i love that kind of stuff um i see we've gone uh into an hour um i've had a great time tonight i do want to tell you guys that this weekend i will be at muscle cars at the strip at the las vegas motor speedway obviously in Las Vegas, Nevada, the 10th and the 11th, I fly out there Friday night. So I'm going to be landing at like, we'll just call it 930. And uh, I got to get over to the track because they're going to be doing some night racing. So I'm going to meet my friend Johnny Mopar, who you all should be very familiar with by now. If you're not go check out his YouTube channel. I'll be meeting him out there. We're going to be filming all sorts of content and rumor has it there may be 
<laughs> there may be a special drag race between two very popular barn find cars. I don't know how much is known about this, and I don't know if it's even going to happen, but my friend Mike Coffey has a 1970 Dodge Coronet RT in sublime over white, four-speed car, 410 Dana car, um, 446-pack, and he wants to race or I don't know if it was him that <laughs> originated this challenge. I don't know how it came to be, but there may be a race between my friend Mike and the 70 Sublime Coronet RT 446 pack car versus the EV2, I believe it's EV2, 70 Challenger RT 426 Hemi car, both found from the same barn find, barn find, um, at the track. And I've got a hundred bucks <laughs> against anybody put your hundred bucks up against mine i think the six pack takes the hemi i do i honestly do um there's a few reasons why i say that but if anybody is a gambling man we're gonna be in vegas so if anybody wants to see my hundred dollars cash uh, i'm willing to throw down you take the hemi challenger i'll take the 446 pack coronet rt all right um we can even do a, a you know, double or nothing. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. Uh, but I'm looking, that's something I'm looking forward to. Uh, Mopar's 5150 is also giving away some project cars to combat veterans. I think that's going to be great. And then, of course, the car shows, the swap meet, the, you know, vendor midway, drag racing, autocross, you know, there's a little something for everybody out there. So, and not to mention after the show, Las Vegas nightlife. Hey, let's go out and get some drinks. Let's have some fun. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. So if you are anywhere near Vegas, head on over to Vegas. I know there's going to be a lot of personalities that you guys know from the internet that are in the Mopar community that are going to be there. It's going to be a blast. And there's a lot of people that I'm going to be meeting for the first time that I haven't met in person. That's going to be a lot of fun. I always love to meet people. Um, and then the cars, of course, I want to see the Mopars. I want to see the Mopars dominate dominate um so that's going to be a lot of fun and uh i don't know I, i've never been to las vegas for a car event and i think it's going to be a lot of fun back when it was muscle or uh, mopars at the strip i really wanted to go and since then they've opened it up to all brands of muscle cars which i think is cool um I'm just really looking forward to it. I can't stress that enough. So shout out to Muscle Cars at the Strip. If you want more information, go to mattslv.com. That's M-A-T-S-L-V.com for the entire uh, show schedule um, or event schedule. It's all up there on their website. Um, like I said, I'll be showing up. You, you'll see me Friday night. I'll be at the track Friday night. Um, so, yeah, that's... Uh, that's episode 101 folks um i appreciate you guys hanging out with me on a monday night um real quick uh we'll we'll go through the last couple comments in the chat and we'll just close this baby out all right and then uh, the next time you see me i'll be in las vegas or on my way to las vegas um i might get to the airport a little early and go live just to you know bs with you guys <laughs> so we'll see and if you can't make it out to vegas don't worry we're gonna cover it there's gonna be a lot of coverage not just from me, but I'd imagine from everybody that's going to the show, but, um, I'm definitely going to be going live. I'm going to be taking a lot of pictures, all sorts of fun stuff. So be sure to keep your eyes on the talking Mopars podcast, Facebook page and Instagram. And of course the podcast, um, 
And, you know, Viva Las Vegas, baby, we're coming. The, the Mopar enthusiasts are, and muscle car enthusiasts are going to descend upon Sin City and have a hell of a good time. So that's that. Last couple comments. Mark Sweet says, Rust Valley Resto is better, but that's just my opinion. Hey, I love that show too. The, the guy with dreadlocks, dude. Come on. I remember when that business was for sale for a million or $2 million. And I just remember looking in the, in the pictures and like, damn, he's got a lot of Mopars. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, apparently they decided to do a TV show instead of selling. So I don't know the whole story behind that, but it is what it is. Um, I do like that show. Um, to be honest with you, I mean, I can be entertained by any car show. It's just a matter of how long I'm entertained. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I would love, please, TV producers, please get a hold of me. I have some ideas that involve me and a bunch of my friends. <laughs> you know, uh, you want you want some TV? Get a hold of Chris. Okay, get a hold of the Mopar Hunter, and I'll <laughs> we'll make something really cool happen. And uh, I promise you, it would be amazing TV. Um, that's all I can say about that. But uh, Mike Flores says, uh, take a po- uh, take a pocket full of money. Working on it. <laughs> Pat says Sin City thumbs up. And that is it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, my friends. Um, you know, there you have it, folks. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. Talking Mopars Live is in the books. For everything you need to know about the podcast, please visit talkingmopars.com. And if you feel so inclined to help support the show, you can become a supporter on the Facebook page or you can go to talkingmopars.com, hit that merch shop, and buy a t shirt or something. You know, give me some gambling money for Vegas. <laughs> I actually have a podcast van that I'm saving up for because that thing's going to be pretty cool. It's going to be a rolling ratty podcast mobile, first of its kind, hopefully. And uh, we'll see. I don't know anybody that's built a podcast boogie van yet. And if anything, if I know that I was the first one to talk about seriously doing it. <laughs> so if anybody comes out with a podcast boogie van before I do, I, I will probably cry. <laughs> but, um, Go ahead and go to TalkingMopars.com. Um, you're going to find all the old episodes there. So if you're new to the show, feel free to go and catch up. Start at episode one. Work your way to here. And, you know, as you all know, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, complaints, hate mail, <laughs> or anything else on your Mopar Addicted Mind, you can reach me by email, Chris at TalkingMopars.com, or you can leave a voicemail on... <laughs> You can leave a voice message on my voice mailbox at 209-28-MOPAR, and I will play your message on the show. That's it, folks. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars Live. See you in Vegas. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.